Okay, Angie, tell our listeners who our guest is going to be today. And I know it's going to be a very creative chat. It'll be creative for everyone. It is. And today we're going to have Ken Bagness. He's an author, a psychotherapist, and a musician. Based on our earlier chats with him, I know he's going to have some interesting things to say. Book authors are always so interesting to listen to their creative journey. Hi, everyone, and here we are celebrating what people love to do creatively by giving them a voice. I'm Rod Jones. And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to the Thought Rope Podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen, and our episodes are always absolutely free to listen to. You can go directly to thoughtropepodcast.com and listen to current and past episodes directly on the website if you don't want to go somewhere else. Well, now it's time to hear your quote to get things moving in a positive way. Love your quotes. Okay, great. Well, here is the quote for this episode. To write it, it took three months. To conceive it, three minutes. To collect the data, it took all my life. And that was by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Scotty. Scotty. You know, that anybody that has ever written a short story or especially a book, they have to pull on all their experiences in their life. They have to have tremendous recall. And that's something that I think writers think about all the time. Well, also, you know, you can't help but have it affect you as you write because, you know, you've chronicled this all in your brain. So it's going to come out as you write. You can't help it. Well, I think he really nailed it because when you read his stories, mm-hmm. a lot of it, he he derived his characters from people that he knew or in some cases socialized with or right. even read about. Mm-hmm. And then he crafted his novel based on all of that information that he had. And I suspect every time he wrote a book, he got better at it. I mean, one would assume that's the case. You you become more mature as you write, I think. uh, And you you probably know how to use your history better. Your experiences, you probably know how to pull your experiences out from wherever they come from. From your brains and from your ether and from spiritualness, I think everywhere. Oh, and I want to mention too, all Uh the people you've met along the way and all the people you've known. Mm -hmm. Very true. There may be a a quirky person in your life and you use that person to develop a character. Very true. Okay, well, now it's going to be time for your Rod's Motivational Moments. Okay, well, always look ahead and stop looking behind. Mm. And by that, I mean, I don't think people spend enough time looking towards their future. They Mm -hmm. think about things that happened to them in the past instead of focusing on what they want to accomplish, what they want to do today, tomorrow, the next day, the next week, the next year. You really have to look forward and stop dwelling on your past. I know some people celebrate their super successes that they had 20 years ago, and they share that with everybody almost on a daily basis. But that's really not the way to look at your life. If you could do it, focus on your future. Think about 
where you're going to head, I mean, Mm -hmm. where you're headed, what you're going to do, all the exciting adventures that you're going to have in front of you and stop dwelling on the past. You know, I read something recently that reminded me of what you were talking about. And that is, is that when you are driving in a car, you don't look in your rear view mirror all the time. You look ahead in the big window ahead of you. So I guess that's the way you have to treat your life. Look ahead, look at the big window, big picture in front of you and stop looking behind you because you've already been there and you can't go back. Yeah, you've been there, done that. And it's kind of exciting to develop those ideas and thoughts. Mm -hmm. And some of them, you know, are fantasies. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, picturing yourself being on stage as a singer. Doing, yeah. I was going to say Macbeth, but I think singing would be cool too. <laughs> yeah, either way. That would be very dramatic. Okay. Speaking of moving forward, yeah. how about telling everybody about our new creative journal? Oh, yes. I'm, I'm so excited to bring you, we are so excited to bring you a creative journal that we think will be extremely useful for anyone that's creative or anyone that's just trying to be creative. It's called the All Your Thoughts in a Row Creative Journal, and it's available on our website at thoughtrowpodcast.com, right on our homepage. So you don't have to look deep or anything like that. It's right there. Well, you know what? I'm thinking it's a great way to wind down this year. Mm -hmm. There's probably quite a few entries a person can make as this year comes to a close. Yeah. And also starting the next year. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I I suspect this would be a great gift item. Yes. And the fact that we have worldwide shipping is certainly useful. Yes. Uh, I think anyone that wants to have a unique gift idea, definitely check it out. I think it's really creative and really useful. And it's perfect for anyone who wants to be more creative. And Rod, I know that this morning we were talking about experiences in life that you, that help to shape creativity. And you had some really cool thoughts on that. Well, experiences in life, we all have them. Some good, some not so good. But they all seem to bring out our true nature. Mm-hmm. And maybe sometimes we need to polish that nature based on some of the bad experiences we may have had. But that is knowledge that's extremely useful. And I know it kind of goes against what I said earlier, but if you take some of those experiences that you had in the past, put them into a category of keepers or non-keepers, and then focus on where it is that you want to be, how you want to move forward in your life. Mm -hmm. And they can be very useful. They can be negative for sure, but there's plenty of happy ones out there. And of course, that's the ones you want to dwell on. If you're going to go in the past and you're going to think about things from the past, try to only zero in on the good ones. Right. And then also, I think it's really important to learn from your Maybe you're not so great experiences because those are really the points in your life where you tend to learn like so much. And the good experiences, of course, you enjoy them and cherish them. But really examine your bad experiences. What what are you supposed to learn from this? Don't just look at it as, oh, it's, you know, a crappy, terrible experience and it was awful and, you know, so forth. Look at it as, what am I going to learn from this? What am I learning? What am I supposed to learn so it doesn't happen again? Well, and then it gets back to my motivational thing about focus on your future. Right on. Exactly. Dwell a little bit of time on the things that you've accomplished in the past, Mm -hmm. but really look heavy towards the future because it is your future. And like Angie made a comment earlier about your rear view mirror and looking through your windshield, there's a lot to see looking out the front. 
Yeah, pick the windshield. Yeah, pick the windshield. Don't drive with the looking through your rear view mirror. Your little inky dinky yeah, uh, why? rear view mirror. No, it seems that, you know, if a person is highly skilled and talented in one area, it seems like it's not a terrible reach for them to pursue a creative outlet. We, there's the history is uh, full of them. There's been yeah. musicians that have turned out to be great artists. There are actually a lot of actors and actresses that have oh, taken true. up painting yeah. and have become very successful at it. There have been uh, chefs that have become actors. That's very true. It, so the, vice versa. Yeah, vice versa. So anything that you do creatively and if you're pretty good at it, there's always the opportunity for you to explore one other avenue of creativity. Mm-hmm. Happens all the time. And some of the most accomplished people that you read about or hear about or have witnessed on stage, what have you, sometimes it's surprising to learn that they're very accomplished in other areas. That's very true. And, and speaking of pursuing creativity in multiple outlets, it's time for our guest, Ken Bagnus. He's an author a psychotherapist, and a musician. Hi, Ken. Thank you for joining us today. We're always excited to have a novel writer and a psychotherapist with us. Yeah. Hi, Ken. Looking forward to learning more about your creative journey today. Hello. Hi, Rod. Hi, Ingi. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. I've been a big fan of your show ever since I listened to your interview with Chess Brodnick, the artist, and uh, I've been hooked ever since. So well, I'm really excited uh, to be here. Well, thank, thank you. you for mentioning him because he, he definitely was a great interview and he's been very, very popular. And if others had not heard that episode they should definitely tune in. Yeah, definitely listen to it because it is fascinating. But we know yours is going to be also equally as fascinating. Agree. Okay. They set the bar way too high. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Everybody's so individually interesting and their lives are so, you know, uh, like interesting. I'm sure yours is going to be really fascinating for everybody. But um, Thank you. you're welcome. Before we start the interview, we always ask our guests what they had for breakfast. So, Ken, what did you have? Breakfast? I am a big fan of breakfast. I love breakfast. And I think my favorite meal of the day, because usually lunch, it's just so rushed. And I just shovel something in my mouth while I'm doing three other things. And yeah. dinner is all about my kids, you know, trying to create something that they'll eat. <laughs> but Breakfast is just for me, so I've kind of perfected the art of the breakfast burrito. Oh. And I had one of those this morning with some egg and cheese and fresh salsa. I like to add a little raw cabbage for crunch, and it was it was really good. And, of course, coffee, but I skipped it because I didn't want to be too anxious for our interview. So uh-huh. I'll have some after. Well, I, I, that's a great breakfast. I like the idea of putting cabbage yeah, in Yeah, I it. do too. That's we a really good idea. Usually for lunch, we make them. But yeah, we do. What a great idea. Yeah. Well, Ken. How about the texture? Yeah. yeah, no, I was going to say, why don't we start by you telling us where you're originally from and a little bit about your childhood? Sure, happy to. I grew up in small town, Ohio, a place called Mayfield on the east side of Cleveland. And I, I love my hometown. Great people, interesting, fun weather. Actually, we we had seasons there. We don't hear out here in Southern California. No. 
some of the most creative people I've ever met came from there. I think because of all the snow and rain, people mm-hmm. are kind of stuck in their basements working on their craft, practicing and practicing. So I think within a five mile radius of where I grew up, I've met some of the most amazing musicians. So interesting place to grow up. My house, however, was a bit chaotic. My mother had a lot of husbands. She collected them. Um, There were a lot of, yeah, with that, a lot of divorces and a lot of moving from house to house and picking up and on to the next place. And there was always a consistent supply of boxed wine for her that she enjoyed and and finished off. So from that chaos, I've I've had really a nonstop supply of ideas for my stories Mm -hmm. that came from that. So I am somewhat grateful now for that chaos. And, um, and it's no wonder I became a a psychotherapist. So that you, a psychotherapist seemed to have that in common. At least that's what we've discovered. They, they had, Interesting childhoods, to say the least. Yeah. And I, I, you know. Well, you know, I have a question. Do you think it's because the reason why you became a psychotherapist is to kind of have a semblance of maybe what you've been through in your life for yourself? I think definitely that was part of it. I think that's why it connected with me. Mm -hmm. Sort of stumbled into it when I first started um, going down that path. Yeah. But once I found it and once I started connecting with my clients and yeah, I, I definitely think that there's a connection there between what I had to sort of deal with and mm-hmm. um, where I am today. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Did you have a, a favorite childhood memory? Yeah. Favorite childhood memory. Yeah. You know, with that, sort of chaos inside the house, I had in my backyard this magical portal, you might say. There were acres and acres of woods to explore. And my friends and I, we'd take our bikes as far as we could, and then we'd go on foot after that. We would just go down ravines and just get full of mud and dirty and, and uh, you know, all sort of creative play came from that. And uh, we would make bows and arrows and slingshots and show back up at the house after dark, you know, have to be hosed off before we came in. But <laughs> I think I think that exploring and that fantasy, that was the most fun I had as a kid. Well, I can definitely relate to that yeah. because that was very similar to mine. But I think the one thing that it does is it, and it's worked out for your writing, which we'll discuss a little bit later. And that is your imagination. You kids are out there imagining all kinds of things and building stories around the adventures that you're having. And that's that's really quite special. So true. And pretending. Yeah, we didn't have iPads back then. No, <laughs> you had fun. You had fun, actual we fun. We had fun and we had our comic books and we were those superheroes and we just went as far as the woods would take us. Sometimes, yeah. you know ourselves because we couldn't figure out how to get back home. That, oh. that was also. Yeah, that's oh part of the goodness. adventure. That's so sweet. Yeah. Those are sweet memories, though, really. And um, thank you for sharing them with us because that's just so darling. You know, you're welcome. you're welcome. And, you know, when we looked at your website, it, it says that you started out as a musician. Tell us a little bit about that. I did. That was probably my first big creative fantasy. I wanted to be a rock star. I used to sing along to my records 
and I would look at the posters on my wall and it dawned on me that at one point, every single guy in that Duran Duran poster, that Def Leppard poster made a decision mm-hmm. that I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be brave. I'm not going to let fear get in the way and I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a musician. And so I made a promise to myself that if the opportunity ever arose, I was going to seize it. And that opportunity came in a pretty odd way. Mm-hmm. I was in maybe the ninth grade and uh, I was failing Spanish class. So my guidance counselor said, hey, Ken, you got to do something with it. Go to Italian. You know, that might work better for you. But I didn't do any better in Italian. So she mm-hmm. kind of threw her hands up and said, I've got to do something with you. Go take this wood shop slash, you know, metal shop class. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, sounds like fun. So I went in there. And the dregs of the school were there, you know, there's like ninth graders with full facial hair and leather jackets. And I was like, oh boy, I don't fit in here. Mm. And I sat at this table with the Duke, Duke Marsiglio and JC and these other guys. And they're talking about what brand of cigarettes were best. And I just was a fish out of water. But then they started talking about their band mm-hmm. and how they were looking for a singer. And I don't know where I found that courage, but I said, I'm a singer. And it was like a scene from one of those old West movies when the guy walks into the saloon and the piano player stops playing and everybody turns and looks. Uh And thank God they didn't ask me what kind of music I was into because I would have told them like the Footloose soundtrack. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But they said, hey, are you into Maiden? And I didn't know what they were talking about. I said, yeah, who is it? You know? And they're like, all right, cool. Come to Duke's Garage Saturday and uh, no flight of Icarus. I was like, yeah, no problem. I know that. So I went home and I'm like, mom, we got to go to the record store right now. I need, I need Maiden. Whatever. She's like, what do you need that for? That sounds like horrible music, Kenny. I don't like that devil music. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I, but I convinced her to take me and I couldn't find Maiden. But I asked the guy at the counter, he said, Iron Maiden. I said, okay, let's see. And so he showed me the Iron Maiden records. And well, my mom was right. These were terrifying <laughs> Album covers with yeah, yes. for sure. A little dark, yeah. Blood and demons and, and hatchets and so but I bought that record and I went home and I listened to it over and over and I wrote down every lyric of this man's beautiful operatic voice that I could never copy. But I showed up at Duke's garage and I remember it was it had to be 120 degrees inside this garage. Oh, and wow. we were sweating and we played the song and luckily they were as horrible as me you know (laughs) and we went through the song about a dozen times until i didn't have a voice left and then finally the garage door opened up and all this cool air rushed in and there was duke's younger beautiful sister waiting with a cup of iced tea waiting to meet the lead singer and i was like oh i I found my identity this is it this is fantastic and your first fan oh yes It was the best. And so I was hooked. And so from then on, I was in one band after another until, you know, after high school, uh, I was in a band called Pretty Vacant. We got a record deal, which was unheard of in Ohio. And we motored west and we went on tour for a couple of years and landed in Los Angeles. And I'm still here today. Wow. Um, What a a story. What an evolution. Obviously, it was, what, fortuitous? Oh, it was meant to be. I mean, really, the the circumstances came up for you to meet these kind of guys that you really wouldn't hang out with. So it was kind of interesting that you stumbled into them. Hey, wait a minute. I had four periods of shop in high school. 
<laughs> so what was your favorite brand of cigarettes, Rod? <laughs> Actually, I would have never graduated from high school it's had true. it not been those four classes in shop. But that's that's really a great story, Ken. Yeah. Thank you for Thank sharing you. that. The guys in my class were like secretly making throwing stars. You know, I, <laughs> I was out of my own. That's metal I shop. I walked in with my yellow, with my yellow IZOT shirt, you know, and I just was like, okay. You look like Ronnie Howard. Exactly. Meaning you know, the phones. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to the phones. Exactly. Go ahead, Angie. Well, you know, your stories that you've told us, and I know you are also a writer. Can you share your journey into writing your first novel? Sure. I mean, I think that was also another brave leap into the unknown. Something I really wanted to do. I, I loved, I always loved telling stories. And I, I was working here, you know, at the, the Ancipi Clinic and one of the guys on the floor, a really creative, interesting, great guy, his name's Darren. Mm-hmm. He's a filmmaker. And he was working on a movie called like Pumpkinhead 6 or 7 or 12, who knows. Mm-hmm. But it triggered a memory in my head of that small town in those woods and this urban legend of these creatures called the Melonheads that lived in the woods and would, you know, hunt children. And I told him the story about how our babysitter played this elaborate prank on us. And just how how much fun that was. What a fun memory. And well, he heard that story and he said, that's, that's better than what I'm making. You need to go home and write a screenplay and we need to make that movie. And I was like, I, I don't know how. He's like, just, just do it. Just start it. Just, and it was the best advice I ever had to just do it. Just start. Right. So I went home and I told my wife, I'm going to, I'm going to write a screenplay. She's like, oh, okay, you know, go for it. Opened up my laptop. I taught myself how to do that. And I started writing and writing. And about two weeks later, he said, let's see what you have. And at that point, I was just like, you know what? You can't have it. It's Because I, cause I kept elaborating on parts. And it was turning into something bigger and very personal. So I told him, it's going to be a novel. And then I had to really teach myself from the ground up how to do that. Right. And I did. And, and that's that book... I was able to find my agent with, which was a, you know, a very daunting task, but I, I, I landed my agent and she fell in love with my writing. And, uh, but that book didn't sell. And then she told me to write what I know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what do I know? I know rock and roll and I know mental health. And that's when I wrote Mind Riot and that one did sell. And that one came out about a year ago. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that later. Yeah, we, we certainly yeah. will. But that's a quite another one of those kismet moments, right? Well, you are so tuned in, Ken. It is so amazing. Like your your serendipities that happen in your life because you're so tuned in to what your your purpose and what your yeah. talents yeah, are, I think to, is so cool. You have to be able to connect with that. Mm-hmm. Writing, writing met a need for me, though, that the music never did. It just, I really connected with writing. I really loved it. I don't know if we were ever great musicians, but I had the, I had the hair. So <laughs> back then that was important. It was like Johnny Bravo and the Brady Bunch, like the jacket fit, you right. know, so I, right. I got to be that guy. Well, the, the thing about writing is it's a solo event and it's all up to you. You don't have to depend upon your fellow musicians or anyone no, else. No, yeah. You stand on your own. You either make it or you don't. And that in itself is challenging, but it also I think that's the most rewarding. Mm-hmm. True. Very true. You know, you've been quoted as saying, and I quote, I was always able to define my identity or connections with others 
by embracing my creative interests. I wonder if that's common with creative types of people. That's quite, that's quite a quote you presented there, Ken. What, what did you mean by that? I guess what I meant was, from personally, when I embrace my creativity, it's always kind of given me credibility in social situations. You know, if I'm at the farmer's market and, you know, I meet this new family and they it eventually gets to what do you do? If I say, I'm a psychotherapist, oh, and I write young adult novels, oh, well, that's really interesting. Tell me about that. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm cool. You know, I've got this in in this social situation. And the same went back with the music. It, it gave me a connection. I connected. I just always found it easier to connect with people through my sort of creative endeavors. And, you know, most of it's just sort of stumbling bravely, you know, into these creative endeavors. And, and, and when it works or sort of works, mm-hmm. it, 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 it helps me socially. Oh, that's, that's, that's I, wonder, interesting. I wondered if other people have that Well, I think if we're at a cocktail party and somebody says, oh, what do you do? What's your, what do you do for a living or what line of business are you in? And you say, I'm an insurance salesman or worse yet, I sell real estate. They go, oh, that's interesting. And then they walk away from you. And I suppose that's probably true to some extent if you say you're a psychotherapist. But if you say you're an author or an artist or a musician, all of a sudden, people want to know more. So I, I could see you getting a lot of personal gratification and feedback. Right. Off of that. And there's some mystery to it, too, I think, because not everyone's the same, even if you are an artist, a musician or an author or a writer. So it's very different. So they want to find out you and your personal story. So there's a lot of mystery. There. It's always interesting if you say that and the other person happens to be a New York Times bestselling author. And <laughs> You're like, go, I'll go home now. And they go, go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll happen. But I, I did get recognized for the first time. I was out with my kids and another father pushing a stroller said, you know, are you the author of Mind Riot? And it took me back. You could have knocked me over. I said, uh, yeah, I sure am. And then I hope he liked it. He said, I recognized a picture from the back of the book. And we started talking about writing and he's working on his first novel. but. That was fantastic. No kidding. That is so neat. And Good for you. You heard it here first. It's really important to have your mug shot on that jacket of your book. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. That's so cool. You know, another thing that we heard you say is the excitement and fun that comes with the big payoff after a creative endeavor. Looking good beyond the intrinsic value and pleasuring the extrinsic reward like seeing your book in a bookstore. Share with us your thoughts on that, Ken. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, these amazing artists, like going back to Chess Brodnick, he gets a lot of intrinsic reward from his art. He could do a piece and it meet all of his needs and, you know, maybe put it in a closet. And that's not me. I'm very sort of extrinsically driven. I've always been. Mm-hmm. If I'm, you know, drawing a, a crayon, cartoon with my kids on the dining table afterwards I think well, this, what if I should get a frame for this and maybe <laughs> I should get an art agent you know but joking but no um, that's so you know, sweet though really but but you know with having that big because there's a lot of work that goes into writing a book and the several different versions and, and edits and on and on and I'd probably still be working on mine right if it wasn't published but 
I got a I got a text from a friend who was at my absolute favorite bookstore called Romans in Pasadena, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Oh yeah, I just picked up your book at Romans." And I, I, my book is at Romans, you know, and I wow. I dropped everything I was doing. I rushed right over. This is right at, uh, right when they started letting people back in after COVID, so I hadn't been in in a while. Mm-hmm. And there was my book on the shelf, and I was just manic with joy. <laughs> And I talked to the staff up there and they had me sign all the copies and they put stickers, you know, signed by the author. And it was just such a treat, such a joy. And then I I did a photo shoot with Mm -hmm. my book. I walked around the store and took pictures of it with various other books. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Take a picture of it next to the Stephen King novels. Why not? (laughs) Oh, that, that's excellent. Gosh, that, that it must have been exhilarating to see your book there at Romans because that's, you know, that's a big bookstore in Pasadena. Really big. Love it. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't get to do the traditional release where, you know, you get to go to a bookstore or 10 and, and uh, release your book and sign books and meet some readers. It was the middle of right, the beginning of COVID, I guess. Yeah. So, but it did really well. I think that the mental health aspect of the book really resonated with people, especially during the pandemic. And um, yeah, quite a lot of people picked it up. Uh, Very, uh, very timely. I could see that. Yeah. Especially for young adults. This was like really going with what's going on at the time. Right. Author mixes psychology with rock and roll in new novel. That was from one of your press clippings. What did you think of that headline and what they wrote? If I get any press, I'm thrilled (laughs) and I'm cutting it out and I'm taking it to the frame store and it's on my wall because, again, the whole extrinsically driven thing. But I think that's pretty accurate. I I just always described Mind Riot as school of rock meets one flew over the cuckoo's nest. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And yeah, the one thing, I think the most important thing my agent taught me is, you know, really write what you know. So it's genuine. And I certainly know those topics well. And I think it it came out pretty, pretty authentically. Well, I thought that I read that and I thought that was really a great article. And I think they captured your book handsomely, if I may say. I did, but I, you know, I'm going to make a comment. I don't, I feel like you really celebrate your creativity. Like if you get a clipping or if you have like a really cool experience and that's just like you celebrate it and that's such an important thing. And, you know, some people are more quiet about it, but it's really cool. Do you feel like it, you're being, um, you know, a little too egocentric when you do that? Because I don't think so. I feel like you're just being joyful and happy, you know. It's it. like running through the woods and celebrating yes. with your buddies. So cool. Absolutely. No, there's lots of dancing when things like that happen. I just, I just, why not celebrate these milestones and these these achievements? I, I think we should all celebrate those things, you know. Yeah. Uh, if you get your painting in a gallery, show up and have that glass of champagne and take a picture next to it. And, you know, you worked hard. Enjoy this. Exactly. That's what I think anyway. Well, those are creative. Those are defining moments in your creative life. It's like keeping a little ledger of what you've accomplished. And it also is your hero book. It's fun to go back and take a look at your accomplishments because hopefully it'll motivate you to To continue to do more. I mean, you after these articles and after you discovering your book in the bookstore, that's encouraged you to write more books 
but maybe more importantly, it's going to convince somebody else that they should sit down do and write same. a book to do the same. Kind of like when you had the posters on the wall and you were like, yeah, I can do this. You know, it's the yeah, motivation. Yeah. Yeah. So you can do Absolutely. that for others as well. You know, it kind of leads me to the next question is how would a psychotherapist define creativity? A psychotherapist? A psychotherapist would probably say something way too wordy and add the word <laughs> algorithm. <laughs> I would I, I would define it as like I'd say imagination or dreams just sort of bravely and most of the time painstakingly brought to life. And if you could do that over and over, it becomes an incredibly durable trait that could flow over into every aspect of your life. Mm, you know? And then all of a sudden making dinner for your kids could be creative and fun and you know, playing with your kids at the park could be creative and fun. It mm -hmm. just, it adds so much spice and interest to life. Oh, you're so right. I guess that's how I would define it. You're so right. I love it. And I won't use the word algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Good, because I don't know what it means anyway. <laughs> yeah, you see. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> um, when you're, Ken, when you're practicing your profession, I'm sure there are times when you would rather be writing. How do you balance those two in your thinking? I would I would rather be writing most of the time, to be honest with you. But you know, it's important to stay focused and with my clients. They deserve that. They they absolutely deserve that. So I'm I'm as present as I can be for them. But I've also had to develop this sort of I call it ninja writing, where if I get a lunch break or or if I'm early for an appointment, I'll yank out my my laptop and I'll just write for 15 minutes or 10 minutes, turn it on. And I, I think I've gotten good at turning it on and then turning it back off so I could focus on something else. You taking the time just to make those quick notes. And then also when you go back into your practice, you have that satisfaction of knowing that you moved one step further into your writing. So I, I suspect those two kind of balance each other out. Yeah. And I like the fact that you are taking little like snippets of time just to write. And I've been hearing about that. And I, I, it's so inspiring to hear you do that because everyone's like, oh, I don't have time to write. And just taking five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you have, it's like, thank you for that, Ken, because that's, that's an inspiration in itself. Well, and the fact that you're actually putting it into a computer instead of a yellow sticky note. Yeah. <laughs> I have those too. I have, I have books, little notebooks. I've got my uh, programs on my phone. I, sometimes I'll stop halfway through a run because something, will, an idea will hit me and I have to stop and, and write and, mm -hmm. and that's okay. And, um, you know, if I'm, if it's at night and I'm, I'm working on a, a chapter and I write two words, I don't judge myself. I'm like, those are two good words and good for me. Or if I write 2000 words, then okay, well, those were probably I'll probably have to get rid of three quarters of those, but good job. So whatever you do, it's great. Well, you're in good company because that's exactly what Hemingway did. And he felt <laughs> if he could get down the perfect sentence or just three good words and he'd walk away from it. So you obviously are like minds. Huh? You're like minds. You're, yeah. you're well oh, on your good way. Company. Yeah, yes. you're good company. You know, I was thinking back to your band career in the 80s. Ken, what was the most valuable thing you learned from that period in your life? You said this was G-rated, right? Yes, <laughs> the G-rated stuff. 
Well, I did learn a lot about sort of maybe the dangers of excess okay. and how to avoid falling down that trap and the value of connecting with truly amazing people. I met, I made friends back then that I'd still talk to just about it every week, you know, and we're still connected. So lifelong friends came from that. So I think those things I probably learned. I'm sure I learned a ton. Yeah. I met my wife back then. So that was the greatest thing I, I think I accomplished back then. And I learned. That's oh, sure. wonderful that you, you guys have been together for so long. My goodness. Yeah, we met outside of Gazari's on the Sunset Strip. Gazari's hasn't survived, but the marriage does. (laughs) There you go. That's the way it should be, though. (laughs) You know, I have to say that I don't think anyone who has ever written a book has not discovered something about their own personal life. What stands out the most for you? That's a good question. I think writing, I'll go back to mine, Riot. The, the main character's mom is very much based on my mother. There's no way to avoid seeing that. Mm-hmm. And when my agent read it, she said, Shit, this is a great story, but that mother's a dumpster fire. No one's going to buy this. No one's going to believe it. <laughs> I mean, you haven't met my mother. You know? Yes. And, oh, my but, goodness. And I just sort of, and there were all those funny stories and there were the, the drinking and the chaos and the men, but getting into writing her character, I think that I, I discovered, you know, that how hard she fought through that, the string of events that probably would have broken a lesser person. You know, she was really strong. She raised two kids. Her husband died when um, I was three and, and Kevin, my brother was one. So oh, she had to goodness. she had to pick up the reins and find work and find a life, and um, you know she was just always writing her character. She just realizing that she was eternally my champion. You know, always so proud of of everything I did in her own you know yeah. way. So I, I I think I I discovered that. That's that's really. She was really a strong lady, to, despite some of the issues she had, because back in the day, I just saw something on Facebook that I didn't even know, where women couldn't have their own checking account. They couldn't have a credit card. And this was the time probably that she was, because that was pretty recent that that came into play, where women could do that. So for her to ha- be able to take the reins and do that, she was dealing with a lot of Women don't do this and that stuff at the time. Well, she had the responsibility of raising two very young children. Yeah, and then having two kids. So that's really hard. Yeah, that's not an easy task for anyone. really hard. Yeah, so I do appreciate all all that she went through for us. Yeah. I I learned that from from writing the book, definitely. I'm sure you did. I mean, that really puts everything into an intense focus. So you really... You know, a little self therapy. Yeah, kind of, I guess. Yeah. Well, sadly, she passed away right before the book came out because she would have been so excited. I did show her an early draft of it mm-hmm. and she read it, and I was very nervous that she was going to recognize herself. But she was like, I'm like, so what do you think of that mom? Uh, I thought it was funny, Kenny. Very good. I'm like, you didn't recognize yourself in any of that? What are you talking about? That's not me. I would never have done that. You know, <laughs> oh. she, didn't see, 
Interesting. That's okay, but she recognized her son's talent, which is very good. Yeah, that's okay. That's what was important. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Okay, so Ken, now we're going to put on our philosophical hat for a moment. And can you tell our listeners what you'd like to teach them about living the creative life? Philosophical hat. Hmm. I, I, I think I mentioned this maybe a little bit earlier, but just just stop talking about it and just start doing it. You know, I think that everyone is creative and fear blocks you from, from reaching your their goals and my goals and, you know, uh, just gets in the way. And fear is boring. Creativity and and projects and whatever it is, whatever it is, is cooking or writing or painting. It's that's excitement that brings, that makes life worth living, you know? Absolutely. So that's what I would say. Just stop talking about it. Start doing, you'd be surprised how many people I meet that are all have a novel that they're ready to write. Mm-hmm. Great. Just do it. Just sit down and God. And you, you talked about the excuses and that's fear. And if you can get past the fear, then, uh, then life gets interesting. Well, you know, I think every creative person hits that period of time when they have self-doubt and getting started is the hardest thing. Going back to writers, they'll often say, I'm not going to write all night. I'm not going to write for an hour. I'm not going to even write for 10 minutes. I'm just going to write one sentence and then I'm going to get up and leave. Invariably, they'll sit there and write 10 paragraphs or it's like a runner. Right, right. You know, a runner says, I'm just too tired. I'm not going to run today. And so what does he do? He puts on his tennis shoes. He puts on his running clothes. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm only going to walk to the front door. Well, I'm only going to run, uh, you know, just down the street. Right. And before you know it, he's run 10 miles. Yeah. So I think writing or any kind of form of creativity is all about what you just defined, Ken, so uh, eloquently is just do it. And, and, and it's kind of a hard thing to do. But once you start, the flow comes. Yeah, that's flow. Yeah, I mean, you would, you would probably understand that more than most people because of your, how you got indoctrinated into singing and writing for mm-hmm, that matter. True. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's, you know, singing in that garage or, or sitting on my sofa writing a book, you know, it's, it feels like 30 seconds have passed and it's been two hours. That's that flow. That, that That's when you know you're in that creative, wonderful magic zone. Yeah. Absolutely. Joyful. What do you see yourself accomplishing over the next two years? Two years isn't a ton of time in the life of a, a novelist, but I would say I would, well, break my new book, break that that'll be out. That was supposed to be out this week. But because of COVID supply chain issues that's affecting everything, that that release got delayed and it probably won't be out until I think they said May. But that's okay because now I have more time to polish it and and, uh, work on it. And editing is really my favorite part of the process. You know, the hard work's done. Well, that's interesting because that's probably the least favorite for me anyway. Um, (laughs) Tell us the title of that book again. Break. 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 And uh, that's the story of, uh, it's another young adult novel. A 17-year-old has his first psychotic break and has a very dramatic run-in with the law. And he winds up in an adolescent psychiatric facility where he's sort of restrained to his bed all night. And when they finally let him up, 
he's lost and he's scared. He's confused, but he meets this girl who's quite a character and she convinces them that everything he's experiencing is real and she, and he should escape with her. So uh, a stolen car and uh, in, un, uh, intentional kidnapping later, there's this Bonnie and Clyde adventure across the Southwest United States. So that's what that was about. That's going to be an interesting book. Really and exciting. I see a movie. I do too. Oh, so it's, so cinematic. That would be great if that could happen in the next two years. Let's make a movie. <laughs> yeah, I, we'll you know put what? it out there. We'll put it out there. Yeah, Just we'll put, put it the out energy. there. I'm sure. You know, I'm sure. Knowing how your life has gone so far, Ken, you'll probably stumble into a, a director, a director, and yeah, and he'll say, "I've been looking for you. I read your book. I read your reviews." Come to our studio. We're going to start scripting it. Yes. Wow. Well, I hope they have. Oh, by the way, here's your. By the way, here's your advance check. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought of the I thought of the craft services. That sounded exciting too. That's <laughs> our daughter's favorite. Yeah, craft seriously. services. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to ask you the question we ask all of our guests, and I love hearing their response. And that is, if you could sit on a park bench and chat with anyone from the past, who would it be? Well, I was going to tell you all about uh, my park day with Benjamin Franklin because I just finished his biography and what an amazing man he is. Um, he's brilliant and fun. And, but I think I'll get give you the sentimental answer. And I think I picked my father. You know, he I mentioned he died when I was three. So yeah. I think it'd be good to catch up with him and, and hear his story from him because mm-hmm. my mother isn't a great historian. I've heard several different stories. And uh, I'd like to tell him that, you know, his kids turned out okay. I think he would be extremely be so proud. proud. Oh my! And what's very interesting when we ask that when Angie Angie asks this question, it's always uh, surprising to me how many people always refer to a parent or a grandparent. Yeah, a lot of people do. I, th- I think that that makes me feel good that they do that. Mm-hmm. And I could see why you would want to. I mean, you lost him so early on. You have a lot of catching up to do. Well, you don't really know his history. Yeah, Yeah. you don't know his personal life and his personal history. And I highly suspect he would be or is extremely proud of your accomplishments, Ken. He couldn't uh, hope for a better son, but I'm sure your brother's a good guy, too. He's all right. (laughs) (laughs) He's great, too. Thank you. It's so nice of you to say that. Thank you. Well, this is the part I don't always like, Ken. Thank you. Anyone listening to this interview could not help but discover some aspect of living more creatively. True. You shared your thoughts in a most compelling way. And this has been a great interview. You're very genuine. And I know that meant a lot to both Angie and I to have you as a guest. So appreciate it, Ken. And thank you for sharing your thoughts about creativity today and sharing your creative journey. And now comes the time that I let everyone out there know. If you want to know more about Ken, we will have links for him under our show guest tab on thoughtrowpodcast.com. So you can learn more about Ken and connect with him on social media. Plus, we'll put all the information for your upcoming book. For upcoming and also for Mind Riot as well. We can put all that on there. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. This was fun. I was, uh, now I could go have my coffee. And uh, (laughs) 
I wasn't anxious at all. This was a lot of fun. I, I appreciate it. And it's such a, such a great topic, creativity. And, and I'll be listening to your future podcast. Well, well, thank you so much. You're a true gentleman guest. and a great guest, and we really appreciate it. So goodbye for now, our friend. Oh, bye-bye, Ken. Goodbye for now. Thank you. Today, we're going to do our shout-out, our first shout-out. Yes. And it's to, or for, the Sassy Museum of Art. Yes, it's an art museum located in Southern California. So if you're here in Southern California, you can go visit or if you're not, you can go online and check them out at sassyartmuseum.org. And that's spelled S-A-S-S-E artmuseum.org. And you can sign up for their newsletter and they have new exhibitions that they do also include online that you can check out. Yeah. And their books, they, they have books that you digital downloads that are pretty fascinating. There's a one that they're just releasing soon on trees. And it's a combination of trees and poetry. I'm anxious to see that one yes, myself. Yes, and it's got a gorgeous cover on it. And I think you guys are really like it. Yeah, so please take the time to check them out. You can also connect with them on social media. Yeah. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day. Thank you.